All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? Chad Dukes fan and Dukes is of course a Bray Wyatt fan. I really did that song though. I can't remember who actually does the song. It's called Living Fear, but uh, I think uh, Wyatt's over at AEW now. But every time I think of AEW, I think of the root beer. <laughs> yeah. So how are you doing? I got so much more room for activities. I, it's just kind of crazy. Like, I, I really did do some cleaning the other week. And oh, it looks great down here now. Shit's in order. I just, you know, I got you organized. I got you some little drawers. And you went through and, you know, got rid of some stuff you didn't Took need. all my tables. But that's okay because I don't think I have any room for them anyway. Well, I took the tables away, especially over by your desk. Although, eventually, if we had to... For guests, for munchies and stuff, you can almost put the one because the fireplace will fit under that one over there. Well, I told you both of them are foldable. Yeah. So you can put them up, like you can put one over here, you can put one over there, you know. Anytime, yeah. So it's, I mean, <clears throat> my goal is two years. Like, I really want to find a, a nicer place, and I've been kind of thinking, I'm very picky, like, if we're going to stay around this area, there's, like, very specific locations. I'm going to have to look to see if that one house by the post office is still sale. I didn't check. It's, it's sold. Oh, is it gone? But that's one of the specific locations down that that's area. That's like I was nice. And, um... I didn't see the inside, but it was... Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I showed you the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that area is one of the specific areas, and there's not a lot of houses down there, so it, you, it has to be something we can afford, blah, blah, 
blah, blah. And then, um, the other issue, like I was saying, I was thinking about, like, I mean, it's either we're going to stay here, get something bigger, uh, especially to accommodate out-of-town guests, like my parents, just in case, like, uh, they need to go to the doctor or something and they drive in from Delaware, which is where they plan on moving. Or we kind of do the halfway thing where we get a little bit closer and we're on the eastern shore, but we're still, you know, within an hour and a half of Baltimore. Right. Because that area, it's nicer, bigger houses, but cheaper, easier to afford. Very true. All right, well, today's show, we've got a lot coming at you. We've got couple articles about some movie news. Oh, yeah? Like what? Uh, one is Dave Bautista wants to do a buddy cop movie with Jason Momoa. That kind of sounds like it would work. Oh, yeah. Those guys... I'll, we'll get into a bit more when we do the article, but, uh, like, yeah, I think I would like that a lot. The other one is Expendables 4 is beginning filming in October, and they don't have really a whole cast list yet but there's some other news in there as well that's kind of draw my interest with that uh we got our movie review for the retro dvd movie vault uh neko's pick and mm-hmm. gonna have a lot of fun with that and of course we're gonna talk a little bit about jacob's wife which we checked out last night i actually liked it yeah so uh and that of course we've got plenty of great new music coming your way a lot of classic stuff uh, Neko's pick of the week is going to be a doozy. So we'll have fun with that. <laughs> it was because you were saying, oh, your pick of the week is this. And I'm like, have I done this yet? And you're like, you have not. And I'm like, all right, that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. The beer drinking has already started. Yeah, and I took off the... We're starting early because I, I took off... This is the way it should be. <laughs> I know, and I don't know if I can do it every week, but if I can and if it... You know, that's what I have to do to make Carolyn realize that's what I need to be happy, that I have to be done by 1 p.m. Maybe I can do it. Like, I don't know if it's possible, but... Well, you know, I hate to, like, air dirty laundry on here, but, like, she always told you to have a balance to your personal life, and the way it was going, you weren't having that. You Mm -hmm. were working long days, and you're still working some long days, but the point is, is that... Today is a nice time to, to take off, at least to have a day. Well, I didn't feel like dealing with her this morning in our meeting, and I was like, can we please move our meeting to Monday? And then we usually have our meetings on Tuesday anyway, and she's like, how about this? How about you take off the day or take off, you know, the morning? Because I was like, I don't know if you've noticed, like, my, my eczema is kind of going crazy on my neck, so I was, like, slathering it with cortisone cream, and I took some Benadryl, so I'm like, I told, I was like, I'm just not 100% today, and she said, just take the morning off, or take the whole day, I was like, how about I take the afternoon, because I've already started working, and she said, that's fine, just put your out-of-office on, I don't care if you work for the morning, so I, we have this thing where you can make it look like you're away from your, your desk, so I put myself in a way, and then when I signed off, I put my complete out of office on. Yeah, so it's good to have you back here on a Friday afternoon. I know, we've been having a good time. Alright, well, let's jump into our first block of music. Got some new stuff from Electrocutioner in here, but mm-hmm. got a couple of classics. Kicking it off with the Bronx Casket Company with Anti Hero. Oh, my God. 
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. wasn't me. I didn't do it. Of course it was fucking you. I was like, what didn't you do? <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. It was, it was like, I feel like, um, I liked, I liked the movie, but I feel like it, it finished kind of. Well, it, it, some things about this, and now we're talking about the movie Jacob's Wife that's now on Shudder, and basically the premise is, the movie stars uh, the lovely, talented Barbara Crampton from Reanimator, uh, which I kind of just now put together. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and she was in From the Beyond. So she did a lot of these uh, like old school horror films, and you know she was big time, big shit back then. Uh, she was in Lords of Salem as well, zombie flick, because uh, he likes to get a lot of those classic actresses mm-hmm. in there. But... Uh, so basically, she plays this housewife and married to a preacher in a small town. I forget where they were, what city they were in, but uh, just a little quaint town. Um, obviously, their husband is a preacher there in a church, and she's kind of feeling like her life's passing her by. She, doesn't, she used to be really fun and exciting as a young girl. She feels like everything's the same every single day. And right. Even... And she's like, she kind of feels like this sidekick to her husband. And although she loves her husband, uh, he seems to kind of like not really pay her the kind of attention anymore that he once probably did. And kind of holds her down. Oh, God, here we go. I don't hold you down. I don't ever hold you down. Um, so, at some point... Um, an old flame comes into town, even though it was just a business decision, uh, something that she was working on at one of the mills nearby. But uh, he makes some moves on her while they're at the mill, and she turns him down because, you know, she's not feeling good about it. But then, out of nowhere, this, what turns out to be like a coffin or sitting on rumbles and whatnot, and of course he gets chomped up, this other old flame dude. Uh, she gets bitten and comes back. And... Alright, so, you have to... The guy that she was going to visit was an old boyfriend. He moved out of town, but he's coming back to do architectural work because they're taking an old mill and turning it... That's why I said business thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, she's right. You know, he's coming back to help, uh change i think what were they gonna put like a mall or something because they were talking about it a little bit but they're keeping the infrastructure of the mill it's kind of like what they've done around baltimore they keep the facade but they turn the inside either into businesses or which is actually kind of cool as much as the shit that we grab about at baltimore there's a lot of cool places that do shit like this uh especially down in canton because they keep uh, you know in canton it was uh literally not what it is now it was a very blue collar area there were it was warehouses and packing companies and there's an area called brewers hill and if you can imagine it's all breweries so they took a lot of these old breweries one of them is now apartments 
the other one um, is businesses and um, like what it has a vet in it. Um, it's the place where I used to go when I needed to get my annual uh, physical for work. It has you know just a bunch of different things. So you know that's one thing I think is cool about Brewers Hill is they they had all these old buildings. Like there's one that yeah the thing I was thinking of the most was like Outback. Oh, if you go company? in, yeah, if you go in, you can kind of see some of the the canning company. And yeah. the, the other interesting thing too is Dap the caulk caulk maker. That's still there, so it's still like the caulk maker, right? But you still kind of uh, intertwined into the whole like you know shopping and restaurant area. Um, another. I don't know if a lot of people know this about um, Baltimore, but the bottle cap was invented no, yeah, you were in Baltimore. Yeah. It was made by Crown Cork and Seal. And I don't know if you ever pay attention, but you know how when you're going down Eastern Avenue and you're kind of going to that part of it where it kind of like goes down and there's um, an overpass. If you look to the right, that is the Crown Cork and Seal um, factory, but it's all overgrown. And they're going to be doing something with that. I don't know what they're going to be doing with it, but they're it's they're going to try and keep the business like the facade of it. And look at some of the stuff downtown too. As you're driving by things, it'll look weird. You're like, oh, what does that mean? Or it'll have old businesses because back in the day, um, a lot of places when they would open up, they would do fancy things to their brick and like interlay it into the brick of the. Or in the front, you remember when we went to, I don't think you didn't go with me, did you? To um, see Spencer Horseman down in Federal Hill. Oh, is that the magician dude? No, I didn't see that. His place is, it's a smaller um, bar, but it was, I believe, a drugstore. So you can see it still has like the... Um, Framing. Well, you know how they have those windows that... You can tell it was some kind of little store where you can like put things and just windows displays. But then in front of his front door in tile is the name of the original place that was there. And a lot, hmm. of, a lot of people keep that just be for the nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. So, anyway, this guy comes and he's going to help uh, Barbara Crampton's character talk about how they're going to redo this thing. Now, in the midst of all this, it's kind of funny because... She's feeling kind of like ignored by her husband. So when she tells him that she's going to do this, he kind of just shrugs his shoulders and that kind of like pisses her off in a way too. Because, you know, she expects a little bit of fire out of him. So anyway, uh, Old Flame comes. They go look at the mill. And of course, he tries to hit on her. They stir something in the, the coffin that's underneath them. It looked more like a crate. So it wasn't really a coffin mm-hmm. coffin, but a crate. And she gets bitten and comes back home and... He's, like, covered in blood. Yeah, because, like, this most... Kind of like Salem's Lot. This is how this vampire sort of looks. Uh, It's got the whole, like, you know, from, like, what we do in the shadows. It was very... Yes, exactly. Uh, He has control of rats, which is a big theme in this. Uh, So the rats actually attack her old flame and chew him up pretty good. She gets blood all over her. Uh, When she gets home... She's distraught, of course, but then as she's sort sort of changing and she's feeling better and stronger and you know just kind of liking the way she's feeling, sexy or whatever, 
uh, she also has this like growing hunger. So for a while, she's very bitchy to the husband, the preacher. Uh, and he kind of notices it, but he doesn't know why. He thinks maybe she's having an affair, of course. Uh, yeah, that's all he thinks. He's like, oh, yeah, it must be an affair. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, I'm trying to think of one of the, the funnier points is um, she has this telepathic communication with the head vampire, the master, as they call him. Which is played by one, I should say. It's pretty good. I kind of fooled me the first time, but I noticed it after looking it after up. After you looked up her name. Right. Um, so she has this telepathic com uh, communication with this master. And uh, at one point, she's in the house kind of like... Because she had gone to the dentist. And they were doing the, the teeth cleaning thing, which you said was using ultraviolet so uh, they light. Cleaned, they were cleaning her teeth, but then they um, decided that they were um, going to... She wanted to get her teeth whitened. So they use UV lights. It's like a UV light that they put right on her mouth. Which is funny because, you know, we, we think about how we would react to certain things. I'm thinking there. In movies, for whatever reason, I know it's written that way, but just people are dumber than they are. Like the dentist is like, oh, wow, you got some new teeth coming in. It does not look normal teeth. Well, but she said it's not. Abnormal, uh, but abnormal, but it's very rare. Right, but the way the teeth looked, I'm just like, if I saw that dude, I'm like, like someone got to talk to that lady. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, so yeah, ends up burning her face a little bit, so she runs out mm -hmm, because it's it's like it's like going it's like uh, tanning lights. Right, it's, it's UV. Yeah, it hurts her. Uh, so she goes back home and she's kind of wandering around because in the house the masters talking to her or whatever she's kind of just out of her mind and i guess it's a neighbor sees her and he walks in and she ends up attacking him and this is the kind of the part that i quoted when we first started this segment was the husband comes home because he's now worried about it. he's already encountered another vampire in the mill because he was looking to see what was going on. he was actually looking for the old flame to bitch him out because he was upset about the way his wife was acting so he discovers there's vampires, and he discovers that they're after his wife, which he now figures is probably a part of that pact. Uh, so he comes home, and she's in the kitchen licking up blood off the floor. <laughs> and it's it just true classic moment, just one of the better scenes. He's, like, looking at her, she's like, she's got blood all over her face. She's like, it wasn't me. She was trying to explain herself. And he's like, no, of course it was you. Yes, it was. So, but, you know, the funny thing about all this is there is, like, real love between the two of them. Uh, so he's going to take what he can to help her out, and he's going to bury the body and clean up. And, but, he, but he's distraught because he's a preacher, and he's now encountering what he would be deemed in his religious life as true evil. Like, his wife is now a vampire. But it's so funny because it's... It's typical fashion. It's it's another way to look at things, and I'm sure you would agree. Uh, at one point, as they're arguing about stuff, she goes, "Are you blaming me for being a vampire, being bitten?" She's like, "Well, he's like, well, you did go there and lust." Yeah, you, you, <laughs> so he was given the you guilt trip after well, he gave like a whole list of like sins. And yeah, this is like this. This is what this is your judgment day <laughs> or some shit like that, and. uh it just kind of reminds me of the moments when we see women who are raped. They, you know, they're like, well, what were you wearing? Like, that's sort of that kind of thing, kind of mm -hmm. that vibe. Uh, 
But she was quick to, like, get up on her because, like, you know, she could take him down easily if she wanted to. She's like, watch yourself. <laughs> uh, the thing about this movie, though, is uh, the trailer itself kind of gives away some of the better stuff. Like, we were watching the trailer beforehand, and some of the funnier moments are in the trailer. It's one of those cases where, like, when you finally watch it, there's not enough of them. Uh, it's still a very good film. I do like it. I think I'd probably give it like a 7 or 8 out of 10. I don't know what you'd give it. Um, yeah, about a 7. Yeah, so it's a decent flick. Um, at the end, it's it kind of leaves everything kind of... It, it, I don't know if it was really meant to be open-ended, but... Uh, because she said she, um, you know, she was very steadfast. Like, she's like, I love my husband, and... He wanted to stay with her. They decided to, like, make a new life. So Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, at the end, they do end up killing a master, but it does not change her back. And she likes being what she is. So, despite the fact that she has to feed, uh, she likes being strong. And, and at one point, they actually talk to each other across the table, and she's like, you know, I should speak up more and all this and that. he's, like, saying sorry for, you know, all his shit. But at the end, it's funny because he's basically telling her, like, she wants to start a new life, go out of the out of the town and start over. And he's kind of like, well, how can I trust you? <laughs> so then there's that scene where they're, like, getting ready to kiss, and she's kind of showing her fangs a little bit, and he's got the stake. So that's where it leaves you. But I think that's done more in jest rather than something that's actually going to happen. It's just showing you that they're both at opposite ends of the spectrum there. But they do love each other, and uh, it, it's a good film. I think it actually was produced by Crampton herself. She was one of the producers of the mm -hmm. movie, so uh, it's a fun movie. I think you guys should check it out. Um, we, I, see, for me, I, I felt like the ending, actually, the part where the brother and sister-in-law come over is great. Like, because that actually turns into kind of a horror movie. Before it was kind of like a horror comedy, kind of like, right. like what we do in the shadows or right. or Shaun of the Dead. You hit the part where the brother and the sister-in-law come over, and it's a horror movie. Like, it's gross, it is gory, and it, it really... And even her, she's like... And, and her husband are both like... <gasps> like, they're both shocked about everything. But I feel like it just didn't have a satisfying feel at the end, even though I love, like, the whole, like, happily ever after thing. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the thing, like, I, I, I don't want to put it down because I did enjoy it, but then I, it's not something I think I would rush to watch again, at least not right away. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, I kind of felt this way with Psycho Gorman, too, like, there's just, you know, there's, it's... Something was just missing, I, I felt the same way about fucking... Uh, Mortal Kombat. It was yeah. good, but something was missing just enough to make me not love it. Right. It was good, but not fantastic. Right. It just it doesn't really want you to come back for more. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they maybe missed some opportunities, or maybe could have did some different things. Uh, you're right, though. Like the the brother and sister in law. Like that scene was good and gory. I mean, there was some gore before that because you had the whole... But that was, like, going over the top, I felt. Like, it really... Yeah. But, I mean, it's funny because she does play with, as you said, plays with the idea of how we have the comedy aspect because 
there's a point where, like, again, the husband is doing everything he can to help her out because he knows that she needs to feed because she will get out of control mm-hmm. if she does it. So they go to someone's house to check up on him uh, because he got a call from a, a person, that was a, a daughter that was concerned about her mother. They find a mother who you thought was she was still alive in some capacity or something. Because they were trying, they were trying to harvest the blood. Right. Fast so, enough but they're, you know, they're, they're carrying her out in a, in a rug, and the little girls they're going, that looks heavy. So those scenes are kind of funny. Like, it, you know, it's almost like a Dick and Jane type thing going on there. That is such an underrated movie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So again, you know, it's not gonna be something that is gonna blow you away, but it is kind of fun. Uh, Crampton did a pretty good job. I liked it. Uh, Neko liked it enough. So. Check it out. Jacob's Wife. It's on Shutter. You might find it on Prime, but I think you have to pay for them on the other formats. See, for, for me, you and I were talking about this last night, too. We've been a big supporter of Shutter since they started offering premium content, and we've signed up from the beginning. And we're, we're just really happy that they're starting to... Um... Well, that was a good thing that, you know, and I was telling you last night that when we first started watching it, one of my biggest gripes with them was, you know, I'd have it for like a month, but I'd be kind of like done with their catalog. Not not that I watch every single thing because they had stuff on there I'd already seen or whatever, but once I'd started watching a few movies I hadn't seen, I was done after a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So then I'm sitting there for a month like, well, man, you know, you guys need to kind of... And I, I actually wrote them both when I... And then there was disconnected that, I was from. I say that one movie that was available. Excision. That, yeah, yeah. It just kind of like, and then finally they they got back. They actually got back to you. They responded. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like they took everything that people were saying. They, I probably wasn't the only one talking about stuff like that, and they took it to heart, improved their streaming platform, which I'm sure is what helped Excision, or at least re-uploaded that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course they, now they update shit weekly and they get, uh, as you said, like, I, I, I thought initially Jacob's was their, like their movie, but you said it was something else and they just actually bought the rights to it, which just makes sense. So what, what I've noticed Shudder is doing is, um, cause it was an, it was an independent film. Right. It was, it was shown at a, a bunch of independent films. Um, festivals and, um. Like Khan, and there was something else. But what Shutter has been doing is they're literally searching for these smaller films that are good. And the, the, there's another one um, I keep wanting to see because Chad Dukes was talking about it. Um, it takes place in Ireland, and he actually interviewed one of the the actors. And basically, um, because of COVID. it really didn't get a release it just kind of came out that they couldn't put it out in the movie theaters and stuff so Shudder found out about the movie you know paid the rights to put it up and it's really kind of put this um this movie god damn it I can't remember the name of it um excuse me that kind of out there you know yeah all right, well, let's get back into some music. Uh, brand new stuff from Necrogod in here, but I've got a couple other classics again. Vibrian and Grave Crusher kicking it off with Morbid Black Oath. Yeah. Yeah. Metal it up.
Roger from No Moss. And also Ben from No Moss. Hey, Henry over here from No Moss. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. Get lit. That's good. <laughs> so our next topic, I just ran into because I had to really scramble around for some shit today because we didn't get to everything I wanted to get to this week. But we're, uh, we're low on topics. What? But then we were packed with topics. Well, the good news is I did receive an email from uh, the woman who is married to the guy for Buffalo Bill's house. So oh, shut up. So uh, once she gets back to me, we'll probably set up the interview for that guy and talk a little bit about that. I cannot wait. I've been uh, following that. And I'm anxious too because when we do go, I'm going to take my little voice recorder because I figured out how to use that fucker now and we're going to go and we're going to take it with us there and do and more shit. And just sh- like talk about things yeah. and talk to people. Right. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that to happen. Alright, so... And you know I know how to do like editing through the, oh, yeah. the software so I can help you with that. We can uh, edit together like a nice little... Mm-hmm. Um, segment on our trip. Yeah. Uh, so on comicbook.com, there's an article about Dave Bautista, who is pretty active on Twitter. He likes to talk about movies and stuff. He's, you know, the funny thing, we, we talk about this a lot when we watched the game plan with Dwayne Johnson, how some of these actors, and John Cena more recently, mm-hmm. and the Suicide Squad, these wrestlers turned to actors, and they're doing really pretty oh, good. Well, he, John Cena was great in that Daddy's Home movie. I thought that was fucking yeah it, it, and the funny thing is it's it's not doesn't always work like i know that uh orton uh randy orton did it he, mm-hmm. he went to acting one other guy uh from wrestling i mean it's been done a few times hogan did it um just you know you see it around some some actors have success with it some don't uh, wrestlers and whatnot but johnson's obviously very popular david tista's actually kind of a big surprise too just because of uh, how success he's been, and of course, a lot of it comes with his character Drax in the Guardians of the Galaxy series, which he he's was done very a real, good. Yeah, yeah. So he's really funny. Uh, he has a good sense of humor, and uh, I, you know, he has a smaller role in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But again, I was happy to see him. I just love seeing that he's getting work. Uh, I think it wasn't him, but uh, he was in Army of Dead. But I have kind of heard bad things about that with the CGI stuff. We didn't watch that. No. <laughs> Um, but anyway, he's talking about wanting to do different things, and uh, he, he even wants to get involved in a Star Trek project at one point. So, oh wow! But one of the things he did mention was he'd love to do a buddy cop movie, Lethal Weapon like type thing with Jason Momoa, who has also had a pretty good career. Uh, he and both these guys are both going to be in the new Dune movie coming out soon, so we'll be watching that when we get a chance, maybe mm-hmm. in the theaters, because that's got to be like a theater experience for that. Of course, with all the COVID bullshit now, who knows how things are going to be. Uh, but Jason, of course, is the Aquaman main character in that. You know, DC, I can take it or leave it. Aquaman's actually been sort of the better part of that. Same with Wonder Woman in most cases. Uh, not the not the latest one, but the one before. 
but we've been over that a few times. The funny thing about Jason Momoa, though, is I actually liked him better or more when he does, like, TV stuff. So he did this while you were out on the boat uh, a couple years ago. There was a series on Netflix called Frontier, and I had, I had got hooked on that. I watched that, I think it was, like, two or three seasons, and he was brilliant in that. Uh, I really liked that a lot. And I just saw from his INDB, he's actually going to be doing, uh, playing a lead role in the remake of Cliffhanger, the Sylvester Stallone movie from way back. They're doing a remake of that? Yeah, so that, I, that's a pretty good choice. Like, that's the funny thing is, I think we kind of talked about it, not you and I, but I was talking with, like, Samurai and some of those other guys about, you know, times are different in terms of action heroes, mm-hmm. you know, in movies. Like, we know that Momoa and Batista and Jason Statham and all them, they do these films, but it, it's kind of different than what we were used to with, like, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Van Damme, uh, Seagal, all these guys from the late 80s to early 90s stuff. And so I never get disappointed when I watch the more recent, you know, guys do these kind of films, like the, the Man Bro stuff, you know? I think, I think it's like, we, we rather with somebody take the chance than not take the chance in doing something. Right. Well, part of that has always been like, I forget if it was Schwarzenegger or Stallone. At one time, way back when they were, someone was asked, how do you feel about being uh, stereotyped as just an action hero? And he was like, I love it. Like, that's, I don't mind, I don't mind that mantra. Like, even though those guys, like, went and did other things like you know we we always kind of like have doubts in our mind a little bit but then when you go and actually watch these films so for instance you and i both love kindergarten cop and jingle all the way and schwarzenegger is fucking hilarious he knows how to do comedy so he can do all that uh stallone doesn't have as much success with that he tried some of the comedic stuff uh he actually did fine as uh king shark and suicide squad but as a voice um, but both Momoa and Batista have that comedic value to their repertoire as far as actors are concerned. Okay. So, uh, for them to do some sort of like, and someone mentioned that this would be fucking cool shit if they did like a remake of Tango and Cash. <laughs> I dig the shit out of that. You know what I mean? Uh, or any kind of buddy cop movie. Like I, I think those, that, that pairing is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely love to see that. Uh, going forward with those two guys. Uh, thoughts? I think that, I mean, if that's what they're going to go with, I, they're both very funny and... Yeah, I think in the end it just, it, it all it all comes down to the script. Like, if we you're not... We've seen what a bad script can do to great actors. Right, and it's like, and, and it's worse in this modern age in the last 15 years is like, you know, all the the PC stuff that can often... Like, it's fine to add PC stuff, but when it overruns the movie itself, it really fucks it up. Um, and you don't want that. Like, you want to be able to, to time it right, mm-hmm. put it in the right places, and whatever. Like, what was it? The the recent remake of Charlie's Angels, a reboot? That was... I didn't watch it, but I read everything about it and everything that was involved and. The, again, the main gripe is you're just you're trying to hammer the square peg into the round hole, and you're missing the whole bigger picture with it. Like it's fine to have some of that, but 
like Black Panther used a little bit of it, but they didn't like kill you with it. <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel too. Like a lot of people gave a lot of shit about that, but you and I didn't find that movie to be that offensive in that angle. Like it was, we saw it, but we didn't care. It wasn't that big a deal. So when it works, it works. When it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, we, we just we saw that uh, movie. Um, oh, what was that horror movie that we just watched? The Devils? No. The one with Harvey Specter in it. Oh, uh, The Spirit. <laughs> that was a great movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> it is nothing but very, very good actors and actresses. Yeah, well, I'd agree there. Like, it's a good, bad movie, like, to me. But, like, with all the actors involved in that, you would expect that thing to be, like, 10 out of 10 material. Mm -hmm. uh, so we know, like, because I, I think Momo and, and um, Batista would be funny together. I, you know, you can only work with what you're given. Right. If you're going to do it, do it right and don't let other people around you press you into doing something that works against you. Uh, these guys have the knack to be able to be action stars and funny while doing it, so let them be them. Don't be so worried about what other people think. Because, you know, look, you're never going to be able to stop critics from criticizing films regardless, no matter which direction you go. Mm -hmm. So if you're a director... Just stick with your plan and then let the chips fall where they may. Like, that's how I would do it. I'm like, look, okay, if I do this, these certain group of people aren't going to like me. But if I try to force the, the peg home, then this other group of people are going to fucking criticize me. So I can't win. I'm just going to do it my way, my vision, and have these guys be funny and action heroes at the same time. That's how I would do it. So, to me, uh, you and I would love to see this, most definitely, so... I hope they do. Like, I hope they take it seriously. And, you know, whoever's paying attention director-wise and gets it done. Get her done. I mean, again, I hear your point on, you know, let them be funny, let them be them. But I also, I have to say to myself, like, you have to, uh, you have to kind of realize that sometimes to get good uh, results, you need to have good writing. Yeah, and I, that's the thing. Like, I think I talked about it with you a while back a few times on the podcast back in the past. And My issue was with like Ghostbusters 2016 wasn't the actresses involved. I, they were just handed a shit sandwich as a script. And that movie failed so bad mm -hmm. because of that. Like, You took some talented actresses and you gave them nothing. Nothing. Nothing to work with. Right. And it's like they did the best they could with shit. And it's like then they're taking all this heat because they're in this movie that bombs. And you're like saying to yourself, well, it's not their fault. Because I said at the time, Hollywood decided that, oh, we couldn't get the original actors to do this film. And they know better. So we're going to just get these women to do it like the women were an afterthought it wasn't like you even were brave enough to say the women were going to do it originally you were trying to go somewhere else and then when that didn't work you said oh you settled for these girls and then in the process you fucked them over by giving them the shittiest fucking script ever and they're they're they were funny comedians too right that's that was the, the thing that just kind of blew my mind 
Yeah. They they just did not get what they deserved. Right. Yeah, and now we have like like I think Ghostbusters Afterlife that's coming out looks like a really good solid film, and it looks like it has a better script. So I'm saying to myself, well, what you guys couldn't do this for them? Mm-hmm. Like really? And, and they were like really kind of shoving it down our throats too. Like, oh, you have to like this women all women cast, and okay, I I do like the idea. I do like I support women. Trust me, I'm a woman. I support women. But I just, they were trying too hard. They were really trying too hard. And then, again, it, it happens a lot where they just feel like they're trying to force things. Like, And if, if you have a good writer, I think, you know, Momoa and um, Batista will be good. But if you try and force them to, like, do their commercials... You know what I mean? Like, right. You take them and be like, okay, I want you to be that funny guy from that commercial you did. You can only do so, like, remember, I don't know if you remember this or not, cause, and the listeners either, but it's probably been about 15 years or so. Remember the Geico um, cavemen commercials? Mm-hmm. And they were really, really funny, and everybody loved them. You know, so easy a caveman can do, and then the guy's, like, all offended. Um, <laughs> so... They lo- everybody loved that, and everybody loved the cavemen, but then they tried to do a show, and it bombed. Like, because they, That's were, right, I remember they that. were trying to just, like, do all the, the one-liner jokes of the cavemen, and it just didn't work the way that it should have. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's... That, that'd be, like, a great point. You know, that'd be, like, taking the Sasquatch commercials and trying to make a movie out of it. It wouldn't work. You know, it works in small bursts, and that's what it was about. So yeah, the caveman stuff was great by itself, but if you're gonna try to build on that, forget it. Because the joke gets old after a while. I mean, yeah, you gotta really like make it a funny. God damn, Miss Cutie, what the fuck? She just took a shit. God damn. That's what she does. She makes a. Trying to kill us. (sighs) That's why I told you I did order the chicken. I think the fish is like just (laughs) doing a little too much to her uh... digestive system. All right, well let's get into the music again. Black Metal Block. Got some stuff from Grand Sounds in there, but uh, recently, Wolves of the Throne Room just released a new album called oh, Primordial fun. Arcana. And uh, it's so fucking good. It's making my best of list, and I just ordered that shit on vinyl, so it's going to sound fucking sweet. Well, when did you order it on vinyl? A couple of days ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Probably be here soon. Uh, but we're going to play a track off of that to kick it all off. This is called Mountain Magic. Thank you. 
Hey there, this is Hugo Flores from Factory of Dreams and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Enjoy the music. Welcome to the Chad Duke Show. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Damn, fruit fly. Get away. This shit's supposed to kill them motherfuckers. It ain't doing it. Alright, well, we're back. Getting ready to jump into our rock block. And we got some stuff by King's Winter in here. Classic pretty maids. Crossbones Creed, Hellgrim. Also got a, a artist called Goss. This is actually an artist that was introduced to me by Jason Griffith at one point. Cause oh, wow. He, oh, Goss. Yeah, yeah, this guy appeared at MDF one year. So he's got a new record out. It's a little different, but it's it's got a little bit of rock and roll in there, a little bit of metal. So we'll be checking out that. Got uh, Neko's Pick of the Week, as I said. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, let's kick it off with some Hellgrim. This is played by Grand Sounds Production.
racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line at Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Gilbert, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
talk a little bit about your pick of the week. Yeah, I get that. transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Neko's pick of the week. Well, now. We call this the act of mating, but there are several other very important differences between human beings and animals that you should know about.
size or at least so if I capsize in the thighs high tide be five you sunk my battleship please turn me on I'm Mr. Coffee with an automatic drip so show me yours I'll show you mine till time you'll love it just like Lyle and then we'll do it doggy style so we can both watch X-Files you and me baby ain't nothing but mammals so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel do it again now you and me baby ain't nothing but mammals so let's
for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you Closing out that rock block with some King's Winter, Kingdom of the Blind. <clears throat> yeah, so came across this article on MovieWed.com about The Expendables 4. Going to begin shooting in October. Yeah. And it's actually very cool that they still on started creating this series because we got a chance to see a lot of the cool old action heroes and newer ones and mixed in. And he's done a pretty good job with it. Um... Now, four, at least on rumor here, like there's, it's still pretty new, so there isn't like a whole lot of information on it. But there's some talk that Schwarzenegger may make an appearance again, like he did in three. I think it was three. He was in, or maybe it was two. I can't remember. He, he's kind of been on all of them a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but they, I think they said that this might also be sort of like a spinoff of the series itself, whereas. It's going to concentrate more on Jason Statham's character, uh, Lee Christmas is his act, uh, character name. Mm -hmm. So, it's, I don't know how true that is or not, but that's kind of cool. Like, his I'm, name is Lee Christmas? Yeah, that's the uh, character's name for Statham. <laughs> Wasn't um, Jim Carrey's name in Dumb and Dumber Lloyd Christmas? Probably. <laughs> 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 I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Um. Sorry. <laughs> obviously, in the past, 
I forget some of the guys that have been in this series, but uh, you've had Dolph Lundgren, of course, Jet Li, Randy Couture, Terry Crews, uh, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, of course, and Statham. You also had guys like Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Harrison Ford, Wesley Snipes, and Antonio Banderas make appearance in this series, as well as Mel Gibson and whatnot. So it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad that they are not afraid to go there. This is what we were talking about a little bit with Batista and Momoa. Like, this is the kind of shit you have fun with. You don't worry about everything else. You just go and do what you do and have fun with it. Uh, now, they say there is a little bit of a, a talk... A developing, a, yeah, to, a developing a television series spinoff of The Expendables, and the idea is a show to feature a new team of heroes composed of iconic television stars. That's that'd be pretty uh, funny in, in itself. And if I had to think here, like just even though this person wouldn't be an action hero, Hell no. I would love to see the character in it, and that'd be Betty White, just because I know she can handle she it. She needs to be in it. Yeah. At least like a not, not, Yeah, not yeah, that's what I mean. Not like a fighter or anything, but uh almost like um like if 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 you remember how commercial Well you remember how Charlie's Angels had Charlie you did, who you didn't see for a long time? Uh she'd sort of be like that. Or like or she could be like an M from James Bond type thing. So that'd be fun. I think it's funny though, like it, it would be like one of the um badasses like knocked her over by accident or something and then she like punches them and Oh like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kinda like uh Yeah, yeah. Uh who's the guy in uh Billy Madison the the game? Uh, yeah, he thought <laughs> fucking he's, he's like, Now you're done. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> yeah, that would be great, because... We forget we were watching that doc on Betty White, and like she used, she did that commercial for Snickers. <laughs> the commentary. He's like, "You're acting like Betty White out yeah. there." Uh, oh, he's riding my, riding my chops. Yeah. Oh my God, Bob Barker's ninety-seven. Oh, he's kicking it hard, man. Damn, dude. But here's also another rumor. Uh, Past of female-led spin-off dubbed the Expendables. That would be cool because there's a lot of great actresses who have done action films. Like I, the one that comes to that is uh, Cynthia Rothrock, martial artist. Mm -hmm. uh, that'd be a lot of fun to have her in that. Uh, could even drag in Scarlett Johansson or whoever you know. Scarjo. Scarjo. So uh, we'll keep you update eight on this when it happens more when we get more information but uh Neko and I are definitely a fan of the series we, we have a lot of fun with it need more Chuck Norris I, I always need he's getting up there too how old is Chuck Norris he's probably in his 80s 70s or 80s Chuck Norris American martial artist he is let's find out hmm. he was born in 1940 wow so Hmm. Probably could still kicks my ass. I think he could kick anybody's ass. <laughs> you know, what, what are all those Chuck Norris jokes? Like when Chuck Norris does push-ups, he's pushing the earth away from him and all that shit. There's like a Got whole... bit by a cobra once. There was three days of pain, then the cobra died. Was... <laughs> I forgot he was doing his own Chuck Norris jokes in the movie. 
I've seen him, like, I think you did, too, in the past. Like, he would get on Twitter or on the Internet and actually respond to people who did that. Because I think for a long time he didn't realize it was happening. And he's like, what, what are these people saying? Right. Then he starts catching on to all these Chuck Norris jokes and memes. And he's like, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> so he's ha he has fun with it. That's what's great about it. And, of course, he used it in the movie. And you and I were just, like, rolling. Oh, the Expendables 2 was so good. Oh, fuck yeah. I actually, I need the other two. To complete my series, but like that one really stuck out to us, and I think that was the Van Dam one too. So, just really good Is that stuff. The Van Damme one? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, I love the Expendables too. We might need to put that. Yeah, might have to be a, that might my be a pick, pick of the week. week. Yeah. Oh, wait, so Expendables two. Let me look. That has yeah, that has Jean Claude Van Damme, Jason Statham, Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren. Chuck Norris, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, mm -hmm. this, this, God. <laughs> Who else? Who else? Uh, Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, he's in there early. Terry Crews. Yeah. Randy Couture. Uh, who else? Who's, who's some of the, uh, I don't know this person. I need to revisit three because that's the one with the thing with Gibson and Snipes and I kind of don't remember a lot of it. I don't think I saw three. Steve Austin was in two? No, he wasn't. Was he? Yeah. He, he actually might have been in one, too. John Travolta. Uh, Travolta was in two? Uh, that's what it says. Fuck, I forget. Josh Brolin. <laughs> I gotta go back and watch two. Peter Weller. Yeah. Yeah, I forget a lot of those guys are in there, man. Because Peter Weller played Robocop. God, they, they just said, let me grab every action movie. Yeah. I, I don't care if they have three lines. Right? Mickey Rourke? Yep, yep. I think Mickey was in the first one, too. Damn. Yeah, they, they don't uh, hold back. Like, that's what's so great, man. I just love the idea. When I first when we first heard about it, we were, like, so excited. Yeah, the first one we, was good, but the second one was yeah. good. Yeah, they really outdid themselves with that one. <laughs> they all thought they were like, dude, I don't think we're going to get through this. All of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. And they're like, what the fuck? And Chuck just walks out. He's like annihilated everybody. Oh, my Total God. Total Norse fashion. I love it. I loved it. And I can just think in Fantasyland that had Bruce Lee survived, he would probably be in this film. Yeah. Because <laughs> I like the fact that Jet Li's in it, you know, mm -hmm. at least on the first one. I don't think they've had Jackie Chan, although he's kind of getting up there in eighty now, but that'd be kind of fun. Or any other kind of martial arts, like, hell, Donnie Yen should get involved at some point. Uh, there's so many options here for these guys, so... That's hysterical. Did they ever... They didn't, did they ever... Did they ever get Tony Jaa involved? I don't know. Tony Jaa got involved with Fast and Furious for a little bit, I know that. I don't know if he's done Expendables, though. They'll probably make their way. It's like, Stallone should just keep this series going because it's going to be fucking great. I think so, too. All right. Well, back into the music. Going to kick it off with some classic stuff from Malevolent. Malevolent Creation. Malevolent Creation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's me. Mm -hmm. Eve of the Apocalypse coming at you.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaborations with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? They suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. funny though when I play that tune it's like it kind of reminds me of something Tarantino would do like you've heard of the Tarantino movie even though it hasn't been but it sounds like that way at the beginning like I'm trying to think of the scene that I would be no actually it reminds me a little bit of the music from Desperado <laughs> a little bit yeah It's like a mid 2000, I think. Um, when Bray first started coming into the WWE, so the song's called "Live in Fear." I can't remember the band's name. I looked it up a long time ago, but at, at the time that I heard it, like while he was coming in to the intro, like I, I thought that was like some band, like kind of like Manson or something. It's more like a, and this is the reason why Diggs probably likes it. I think it's like a bluegrass type band or something along that lines. It's Yeah, I'm not. I can't remember the band's name, but it's a pretty cool track. Yeah, it is. It's certainly better than most of the stuff Duke's plays. On no, that. Duke's on a lot of stuff that we like. 
Oh, the pie tasters are cool. They're still not quite my thing, but they're cool. He, he likes Motorhead. He likes... He does? Yeah. I thought he wasn't a big metal or rock guy. He likes guy. older metal stuff. He likes uh, Ronnie James Dio. Loves right. Ronnie James Dio. Good I mean, man. How, how do you not love Ronnie James Dio? I mean, and... Maybe, maybe some of the guys in the, the posse are rubbing off on him. Him as he kind of goes through phases because he also likes a no, lot he probably of... doesn't like much of the heavier stuff, though. Um, well, it's funny because his his store, Commonwealth Dry Goods, is like two doors down from Mobius Records, and a lot of the guys that work at Mobius they're um younger dudes and they're really into like death metal and stuff. And nice, and he'll be like, Yeah, when they get into stuff like that, I'm just like, No, like, he has to check out. <laughs> but he likes well, I've heard him. In the past, with when he was doing big old dicks, I think he kind of busted on Slayer a little bit, but uh, that's fine. I mean, he if he likes Motorhead, classic Motorhead's great. He also he's he's like me. He's he's maybe I think a year or two older than me, but always has that very soft spot for like the rap rock kind of stuff. New metal, yeah. yeah like, well, he, he, that makes sense. I mean, he's he's somebody I can envision liking more mainstream type stuff. But he likes a lot of, like, when I say um, country and bluegrass type things, He his type of thing is when it gets to that, he wants it to be more original because, like, the country stuff is getting way too, like, mainstream and poppy, you know? So that's why he, like, with, um, like, the reverence, um, Reverend Payton's Big Damn Band and like there's some other bands that he he puts over and they're um they're not like what you would think of country music now because it's not like that popular you know just pop song sang with a country accent kind of song if you know what I mean and his his big thing all the time is if it's something he likes he likes to try to put it over because like like we do with our friends, we want as much attention put on their talent as possible. Right. So it's just interesting to see his new his new show is really good. No, nah, I mean from the shows that I've seen, both on because he has a channel or something that he plays it on YouTube or on Facebook. Yeah, when he does his live shows. Yeah, it's fine. Because I'm a um, I'm a Facebook. And really, I'm glad that he's back doing it because you know. Again, we beat to death with the political correctness that's been going on. Like, just digging back in your past. Like, I, I to me, even going back to someone's past, whether it's on social media or in podcasts or rec or shows that you've done, to try to dig up dirt on you is like so tedious and petty. Like, it's I have the worst a feeling. Um, he was talking about what kind of got him quote unquote in trouble. Um, he he's probably still under to a certain point he you know he went it was legal he had lawyers the company had lawyers um because he's he again he's under contract he he should be paid um and his lawyer and the company's lawyer he's not really allowed to talk much about it because it's you know part of his settlement his right. legal agreement now from what he was saying like what he could say it sounded like he said um, it wasn't so much the thing that everybody thought he said on on Big O and Dukes. He, it wasn't that that actually 
got him in trouble? It was something he said about a video game. Not yet. So I, that's just what kind of even is, makes it even funnier, is it was about a fictional video game that got him, you know, kind of in trouble. So I, again, I am not friends with him, and he's never going to say anything publicly because he's got a confidentiality that right. he has to keep to himself, but I... Which is another thing I find funny, but chances are... Maybe down the road after all of this expires, he'll be able to... That's what I'm thinking, because... Sorry. Well, no, just, you know, when you leave something, like when you leave a job like that or any job in general and you sign those confidentiality uh, contracts, like, you do it because you still want to get some sort of payment, you, you know. Well, he had, like, when they signed these contracts. Because he could have turned it down, but, you know, you're still thinking about it because he's married and, you know, he wants to make sure that he's not going to be left with no money. Well, this is the thing. It's money that he is owed. It's money that he, he, it was his contract. It's like a football contract, a baseball contract. You know, he, it's money he is owed. Yeah. So, but what I was saying, though, like, I, I really find his show refreshing because it's, it's like, to me, it's like the best of, of Chad Dukes' personality, if you know what I mean. Like, it's, he, I think because... You know, he and Oscar and Drab, they've been doing Big O and Dukes for a while, and... Oh, I'm sure that he never dreamed of anything that he'd done with that show, because that wasn't even their main show. Mm-mm. And he, he had to fight to keep doing that show. Right, so like... In his contract. He had to be so surprised that it had to be something off of that show that got him... And what's really interesting, too, and I, I thought about this a lot, because, you know, you've been fired, I've been fired... We get fired and, like, it's just kind of, you know, old news in a day or two. He's a, I mean, he's not a national celebrity, but he is a local celebrity. It was in the Washington Post. It was all over Twitter, like, people hating on him. And then it got, like... There was one guy I remember on Twitter, and I don't know if Dukes even knew him, but he, I guess he was a former player, uh show host now from an, and maybe in a different state or used to be in D.C. or whatever but I just remember seeing that dude's post and he's like oh Chad Dukes is racist? Color me surprised. I, I, I thought that was so fucked up I'm like dude you clearly don't know Dukes because that dude's not racist and you know I just found that so petty and stupid and that goes back to what you say so many people get online and this is the problem, not just with Dukes, but just in general. They get online, they start talking all this shit, and half of them don't know anything about the person. And it's, you know, it's his personal life that's now being smeared. Right. That nobody can, you know, he, and he... And because he's such a good friend for Oscar and Drag, like, he respectfully walked away from that. Well... Because he didn't want to ruin their shows, because they still yeah, work for other... Well... I don't think Drab Drab agreed to like keep going when full time. Like they were gonna try and keep Big O and Dukes going full time. Um, but I think with Drab still being employed by the company where Dukes got fired, it was kind of like a little it's a conflict. Conflict, but Drab was still willing to go forward. Oscar is the one who said no. Not 
Chad didn't walk away. He asked them to keep going. And But the problem is Oscar just signed some kind of big, because he owns a company that specializes in podcasting. And Well, I remember that discussion, but I thought that, um, and you would know better than I, I thought that uh, Dukes had actually said, you know, I don't want to fuck up your guys' careers. I thought that that's, this is initially, he did not speak on it at all. And as time has gone by, he's kind of brought things up a little bit here and there. And, and made some And made some like just small things like Oscar wasn't willing to go forward and I guess it was just you know Oscar had signed a deal with ESPN to do podcasts and I think it was he was worried about hurting his business I don't know I don't know either one of them I'm just just you know making um it's so amazing because this topic's so much more interesting than your movie <laughs> it has nothing to do with the pick of the week by the way but uh spitballing spitballing because of the song and um but to close out on the dukes talk like i i really like i i feel bad you know he he shut down all of his social media for a long time and then in order for him to re rebrand himself and reinvent himself he had to like delete years worth of life that's crazy and then start over again he lost his job he lost sponsors. He had a, um, he was very involved in, uh, I forgot, uh, Stop Soldier Suicide. And it was a, a, he, every year he did a big fundraiser for them and, you know, they dropped him. Um, he lost his health insurance. See, that's the thing that gets me about a lot of this, and I, I don't want to harp on it too long, but like, you can go through life doing so many good things. And then there's a point like, you know, this, whatever happened with Dukes and this incident, I can't imagine that it was like killing a fucking baby. It's nothing on that level. Uh-huh. And but so, some, I don't know what the, he actually kind and of. It, and, it, and the thing is, like, when you listen to Duke, uh, Big on Dukes, that show, that whole show was stick. Yeah, so, it was, they were just making. So, whatever he was other. talking about with this video game or whatever. I guarantee you, he probably wasn't even fucking serious about it. It was just fucking bullshitting around. When Big O and Dukes was still on the air back in D.C., so this is a long time ago, maybe 2008, 2009, different time, you know, they used to have a saying, Drab is gay. <laughs> and then there was even like a Drab is gay theme song. Like, And they can't do that now. No, you can't. But the funny thing that made it even funnier is... Sven was gay. Like, you know, he worked on the show. He was friends with all of them. He knew that Drab wasn't gay just because, like, it was was just, I don't even know how it came up. It might have been Drab said something stupid or whatever, and it was like, oh, you're you're gay, and then it turned into a big joke. I, um, what what I find, though, is when you are somebody who has, like, like, Chad or even, like, Howard Stern or what, like people who have these years and years and years of things recorded you're going to go back and somebody's going to pick out something well that's the only thing I can really respect about Chad though like even though he's probably now kind of watching his what he's saying where he's saying it's it. not it's, it's he's not as cleaned up as you think it might well, be well no 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 I'm just saying he he's sticking to his roots like he he's he's hard headed like I would be 
I, I would do to sh my show the way I want to do my show. Stern did a 180 degree turn. Exactly. He, he now is one of the elite. And now he kind of like, you know, is one of these guys that comes out and says, oh, I was just a really bad person. I'm like, fuck you, dude. You, you made, made a rich. fucking million dollars or more just in Playing life. Playing Lord of the Anal Ring Toss. Right. Like, you did so much shit to women, to fucking special needs people. You Dude, you did everything that is like worse. Yeah, the whack pack. I mean, and now you're like, I apologize. Well, fuck you, dude. Don't be a fucking little pussy dink. You know what I'm saying? Just, I have no respect for that guy anymore. I don't give a fuck what shows he's on. Whatever. Like, so we haven't had serious since the second year I had the caliber, right? Which was 2012. And the only reason we we kept it that long was first we liked Howard Stern, but second it was free for two years. Mm -hmm. And after that, I think we were like, we're not even listening to it anymore. We, we put in, you know, we plug in the... At the and that was before he went back when he started doing just the hour-long interviews. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, in some ways, those would probably be pretty interesting, just in general. Cause, some of them were. Like, he's, he's had Billy Joel in there a few times. But, like, just this whole, like, revisionist history that he has about, oh, I was such a bad person. Well, you know what, dude? You've had... 50 or 60 years on radio, probably not quite that long, 50 or more at least, but... Uh, at least 40, because he started in the 80s, 80s right. 70s, right? Right, so, but he's had that long to kind of figure it out whether or not what he was doing was good or bad. It just, it's more of the same, like... I remember, um, Lena, Lena Dunham, yep. um... He was calling her like a fat pig. Nobody likes looking at her taking off her clothes. What's she doing on this show, girls? You know, she always wants to get naked. And she, I don't know how it happened. I don't know if Lena's people contacted him or if, he, but she ended up getting interviewed by him over the phone on the show. And she's just kind of like, oh, uh, I understand you think I'm too fat to be like, like she was confronting him. And he was kind of apologetic, and then she's like, you know, I am the writer of this show, and I created the show, and it's doing very successful, and blah, 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 blah. She's like, so maybe I am not a perfect 10, but most women out there are shaped like me with a little bit of chunk. I don't look like your wife, I'm sorry. And then he kind of like backed off on her and then just started asking her creative stories, you know, like... You know, tell me about your writing process. Where do you get ideas from? Blah blah blah. And it was just really interesting. And I, I thought that was kind of ballsy of her to just kind of jump. No, it's back good for her. Because that's the time, like prior, probably before that, where she heard this stuff and it hurt. Mm -hmm. and, and it was right around when he was doing his 180 because he's he was starting to do all those interviews and stuff, but he still wanted to have that little edgy, you know remember Richard Christie, I don't know if you listened to this, when he was drinking beers out of his asshole, so he... Oh, dude, I know all yeah. that shit, yeah, like, and that's the thing, like... <laughs> Howard Stern was, it was never like this classy, intelligent show, it was funny. Yeah, it just, it, it gets me, because, like, despite the fact that he's still on serious and getting paid well, he's really kind of irrelevant. He took the whole summer off. He's, he's irrelevant. And he only works three days a week now. Yeah, he's irrelevant. He's no longer the shit. Like, there's so many other more interesting uh, shows out there. Hot like Chad Dukes. Yeah. 
So I mean, I, I that's why I can still respect Chad because despite all the bullshit he went through, he didn't just say, "Oh, okay, I'm a bad dude. I said the wrong things." He might have apologized for whatever happened just because if he says, "Well, okay, maybe that was insensitive," but he's coming back, still doing his shit that he wants to do, but you know, in order to avoid like running into that problem, he's going to watch what he says, but he's going to still do a show. I get that, and I respect that 100%. So. He's just so... Chad is, like... This happened, what, in, like, September? And he came back at the beginning of, of 2021 with his new show. Right. And what I love is it's a very, you know, still... we all, A lot of his listeners are from both Big O and Dukes and from his radio show. There are sports interviews. They're still wrestling. They're, they talk about movies. And I'm seeing, because I've listened to him and Oscar and, and Drab, and before Drab, it was a different producer. Um, since I was, like, 21, and I was about their age, you know, you see how their lives have grown and changed and, and what's been happening with them. And, you know, it's like you said, even though he is... I think, I think he's a year older. So even though he is 41, he is still being Chad. He likes to, you know, drink beers and pee off of his back porch and yeah. hang out with his friends around the bonfire. Like, that's okay to be yourself. I, I just, the thing that gets me is because it's so easy with someone who has a, a presence, you can dig into something and destroy their life. And I don't know if it was if it was the company itself, because there are kind of feelings out there that because there was a new company that took over the radio company and Chad had been pushing back a little because they were asking for some things and he's like... Oh, maybe, yeah. And they probably he, went and dug his shit mm -hmm. up so they can find... Yeah, I, I believe that. Politics of anything level will happen like that. Meaning, like, they were asking him for some, like, not personal information... So he, he, he spoke openly about this. They were asking him for something, and he's like, I, you guys can't keep your servers secure. We've been hacked twice. I'm not giving you this information. And then something else, some other policy happened, and he's like, I do not feel comfortable with, with this policy because, again, you guys can't keep information secure and blah, blah, blah. And then very shortly after that is kind of when it all It'll happened. Yeah. So anyway, after, right. now that we're done talking about my favorite radio show, well, podcast show, um, we're going to talk about beaches. And what got, this was my pick of the week. And what got me thinking about this movie was it, it was something I haven't seen. When I say years, I'm talking probably since I was a teenager. It came out in 1988, so I probably haven't seen it since 1998. And um, it was really cheap on Amazon, maybe like $4, and I bought the DVD. But I also bought the book. And before um, we rewatched the movie, I read the book, and I read it in like a day. Very easy read. Uh, it's a great quote-unquote beach read. <laughs> Something that you can just read and it's not like a high level thinker you know sometimes you read those books and you're like i need to reread that because you know is so and so the killer or whatever this is a story about friendship and after i read the book and then we rewatched the movie i'm like dude 
the movie and the book are so different. And I almost wish they would have stuck to a little bit more of the book because there was like a lot of interesting stuff that, and I'm like, I haven't watched the movie in so long, so I didn't remember it, but it stars Bette Midler and Barbara Hershey. And Bette Midler is Cece Bloom, and she's like, you know, she's always been in show business since she was a kid. And I... Perfect... And that's when their characters meet. Yes. Well, in Atlantic City, in the summertime, and in the in the book they had a little bit of an age difference. I think it was like three or four years, Bette Midler being older. But perfect casting. Like, I'm reading the book and I'm like, I understand how they picked Bette Midler because the description was this wild-haired, curly, redhead person, you know, and Maya Balak plays young Cece, who looked just like Bette Midler as a kid. And, you know, when I say it's a story about friendship, the thing I want people to realize, um, we nowadays, Anubis and I, we have friends all over the world, and I know some people tend to make fun of other people for having quote-unquote internet friends but these are some friends that we've met just through going to concerts or enjoying the same things that we've cultivated friendships by sending emails or joining message groups and talking for years and years and years and we still enjoy the same thing similar thing in this movie now it takes place in the um 60s 70s and 80s and Back then there was no internet, but they turned into pen pals. And so at the end of the summer, when Cece and in the movie, her name is um, Whitney, or Hillary Whitney, or Hillary, Hillary White, Hillary Whitney? Hillary. Hillary. And in the book, she's named Roberta. So, you know, in Atlantic City, they spent some time together. Hillary got to watch Cece do a, a, a tryout for a Hollywood show, and she, they just, like... And keep in mind, uh, the two girls come from different sides of the track, so Hillary is a, a young girl that's in a rich family. Cece is... From Brooklyn. Right, so she's very rough around the edges. And, and it, what was interesting is Hillary, and, and they, they, like, really hit on this in the book, Hillary beautiful girl right but she was she was just so in awe of the talent that Cece had and Cece was like I'm a fucking mess and Hillary's gorgeous her life should be easy peasy and you know they, they exchanged addresses and in the book they have like lots of letters that they write to each other but they did it from the time they were 10 until the end like, always writing each other letters because that's what you had. You had that and phone calls. And, um, so in the movie, they had been writing each other for years, and then, um, in their, in, I guess they're both in their early 20s, Cece had been, you know, just auditioning in New York for shows and singing at a jazz club, and she lived in this, it's hard to describe this apartment. It was just like the bathtub was in the kitchen and then there was a closet where the toilet was and there was a cot 
and Hillary was like, you know, she was a business lady and a law degree and, you know, perfect pedigree, but she was just feeling trapped and out of control. Yeah, the, the issue that Hillary faced and something that Cece couldn't really relate to was that Hillary was pressured by her dad to be a certain thing so despite being rich he was expected to be a certain thing a doctor or whatever and at some you point you have to find the right man and do the right, right thing and you have to fit into this like perfect little so by the time Hillary shows up at Cece's door years later you know she's already feeling like she's taking a weight off her shoulders because she no longer has to worry about being what she doesn't want to be she can be what she wants to be and it was really funny like <clears throat> Seriously, Cece's a part. You gotta think it's a struggling actress. She's she works nights. She act, auditions by day, so she's you know pinching her pennies. And it's this teeny tiny place, and Hillary starts crying, and Cece's like, "Oh God, I'm sorry," and like she's like, "No, I'm just so happy." And because Cece was like, just giving her everything like she's sharing everything with her like and this is my this is my fire escape where we can sit it's like a little terrace and here this is this will be your bed and I'm over here on this side and this is my bed and it was just really it was heartwarming because Cece was just so happy to have her there and Hillary because she was a lawyer she saw the good that she could do you know pro bono working at the legal aid clinic and helping people and that's what she really wanted she wanted to feel like she was making a difference and Cece just you know wanted to get better at, at, at her craft and she finally ends up at this theater where she ends up the director that she meets ends up being her husband eventually but Cece you know at first was kinda like you know kinda in the background but then this guy writes her this great show and it becomes all about her and at that point though Hillary um her dad gets sick so she has to go back to California and it's just Cece and John and Cece just starts taking off and kind of becoming a star you know like winning Tony Awards and stuff and then she um gets this big lavish apartment and she all all she wanted to do was make it like she she just wanted to make it she wanted to make it and she thought if she'd make it and she was rich like Hillary her life would feel great and eventually it's not because her husband couldn't take her success and he left her but um, at one point right before her husband left her Hillary and her now husband who's like you know another fancy pants tight-ass lawyer they come out to see Cece, and they think that her her show, which is it's kind of raunchy, but it's not it's not like the book is way raunchier. They, they say the f word at least seven hundred times in the book. Cece snorts cocaine. It's like I those are the type of things that I wish they put in the movie because they really like when Cece was spiraling out of control when like when John left and all. Cece was a mess. Well, here's some of my issues with the film. Uh, and I'm kind of reading some off of uh, Roger Ebert's review. Uh, he gave it two and a half stars out of four. Mm -hmm. that, that sounds about right. Um, I'll get to some of the good here in a minute. The, the bad, I talked a little bit about the bad for me. And even though I'm not 
totally thinking of what Robert Roger is here. He does make some good points, um, just about the movie in general. But one of my issues was Bette Miller and Barbara Hershey. You know, I like Barbara Hershey. I liked her in The Entity, which is, came out a few years earlier. Uh, she was in Falling Down with Michael Douglas. So she's a great actress, pretty good actress, and Miller is fine. You know, I didn't have any real issues with her I acting. I think the funny thing that you mentioned, you're like, I, I, have, I think I've heard one Bette Midler song, and like everything she sings in this movie is better than anything. Right, and that was one of my good things. Like, you know, after, outside of hearing Beast of Burden that she had done for MTV and the video with uh, Mick Jagger and whatnot, you know, I. I didn't really care for it too much, but when I listened to her, or the songs in this movie, she's very quite good. Really, really good. Um, but, back to the cons, like, I didn't get the feeling of the emotion and chemistry with her and Hershey as best friends. Like, it just didn't seem there. And I know you were explaining some of it because of the because they were like polar opposites they were oftentimes fighting and it, it's kind of like that thing where you know two people love and hate each other at the same time and but that was a problem like the scene in the bar when hillary shows back up i'm like sitting there going yeah they're fighting a little bit but then like i'm not getting the best friend vibe like I should because like when they finally start to come together and when they finally start to kind of work it out I'm thinking this moment should be much more powerful than it is and it's not being conveyed that way and like I said in the book it was like Hillary in that that scene took place when her mother was dying in the book and she had been there for days hadn't taken a shower she just you know wanted to go across the street and get a sandwich from the deli and then she had to go to the bathroom so she went inside of this hotel to use the bathroom and there she saw Cece and she started crying like hysterically and she ran up to Cece and hugged her and she was like I'm so sorry I, I'm sorry I keep returning your letters I'm so sorry about this I'm so sorry about that and Cece just stopped and looked at her and basically said fuck you and then she turned around and said, I'm sorry about your mom. And it was, like, much more powerful because after that, Cece felt guilty, went across the street to the hospital, brought food for everybody, sat down next to her mother and sang her mother her favorite, like, See, song. that would have been a great scene. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, that's why I'm saying there are some things in the book that I wish they would have put more into the movie because I had never read the book before. And... I think the book reinforced more for the movie for me because it made me feel more for for the characters. And again, I saw this when I was really young and I just remember it very heartwarmingly. And then now being 40, reading the book and you see the highs and lows of them. You see in the book and in the movie, you see like where Barbara Hershey's husband leaves her. Now they make it a little bit more dramatic in of course. In the movie, where they're like, you know, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. We, I'm going to leave our vacation home and go back home because I have to work all weekend. And then Barbara Hershey walks in on those two. In the in the book, 
it's more like a slow fizzle of the relationship where they're like he just starts ignoring her and ignoring her and then they have like one last night together and that's how she gets pregnant and then when he tells her that she's pregnant just like in the movie he's like i don't want anything to do with the child so yeah see and that would have been another good thing to add now with roger ebert's review a lot of his complaint is around one particular thing and i kind of agree with it although the caveat to this is like for like the second time in a row you've picked a movie that's like a downer (laughs) but one thing that ebert points out that i kind of agree with and i don't know if it would be better if they had avoided this but the movie itself and i don't know about the book but the movie itself sort of already leads you to believe that something bad's going to happen. Like, it, it already puts that precursor in there. Well, in the book, it jumps around the timeline the way it Same way. So, that's Ebert's complaint, is that the movie doesn't throw any surprises at you because you kind of already know something's going to happen. Well, it's, a, it's actually a little bit... Because it's the first thing you said to me. You're like, is she going to visit her friend? And then it starts, like, back in Atlantic City, and I'm like, you have to watch. In the... In the book they're kind of like she's she's at a rehearsal but it was wasn't for a concert it was for a big tv special and it's indoors and there's a lot of production and it's really noisy so she answers the phone or somebody answers the phone and tells Cece and she realizes that it's her friend and she she doesn't really hear her but she said so she heard her say like I need you to come as fast as soon as you can and that's kind of like how it all starts you don't really get that desperate feeling right away whereas in the movie it's very like chill and then she reads a note and leaves and you see her like driving like a maniac getting pulled over by the police in the book it was more like she doesn't know what's happening because she couldn't hear what she said, and then she tried to call her back and couldn't get a hold of her. So and see, to me, that right there is a key piece of what should have been in the movie, because we obviously know that Midler is driving somewhere at the beginning. No idea what the fuck it is. So I think in some ways, a little pretext with the phone call would have been nice, because then we're like, okay, even though we know that it might be something bad's happening, at least we kind of know what's going on. And that doesn't really give you the impression when you watch the movie. Because it, what, I, what I found interesting, like I said in the book, she she couldn't get a hold of her again. And you gotta remember, this is the 80s. You don't have a cell phone. You don't have a hundred phone lines. You don't have texting or internet. You have one phone line and one phone number, so she couldn't get a hold of her to call her back even when she went back to her house and tried to call her. So she's so frantic because she heard her say, I need you to come here right away, that because they're so close over the years and had this bond that they built, she knew that her friend needed her, but didn't know what was going on. So she busted her ass, she tried to get a flight, she drived down the highway, and same thing happened, like got pulled over and stuff. But the one thing I also wish they would have kind of, I don't want to say highlighted or... So, Barbara Hershey's character, her, the, the thing that made her the saddest, you know, yes, it was she had a daughter and then she got sick. She got sick in the book from cancer, not from this 
heart disease that she had. Um, the one thing that she was so upset about more than anything is she felt like she never had love. And the only person that really truly loved her was her mother who was gone and Cece, her best friend, and she really wished that she could have a lover. And Cece is in the same boat. Cece had, you know, she, she, John, like, was like a consolation prize kind of husband. Cece was desperate for someone to love her. Her mother in, in, in the book, Cece's mother also passed away. So it was like, in the book, they really stressed the love that the, those two shared because even though they were different they really had a lot of similarities like they never felt like they found another partner than their best friend and I agree with you I didn't get that feeling from the movie the way that I did from reading the book not saying that you they didn't they're believable as friends but the, in you know like in the book you know they just they were like soul sisters kind of thing. And when, when, um, spoiler alert, Barbara Hershey dies, so. It's okay, it's an old enough movie. Yeah, and an old enough book. So at the end, you know, Cece in the book is literally there carrying her to and from her bed. She carried her down to the beach so that they could sit on the beach together. At first, um, at first, Barbara Hershey's character did not want her daughter there. And Cece told her, get your daughter from your, your aunt and uncle. You need to bring your daughter out here so you can spend a little bit of time with her. And she did. And they went to the beach and they, they did what they could until it got to the point where Barbara Hershey's character couldn't leave bed. And there wasn't, it, like in the movie, there was a nurse there taking, it was Cece taking care of her. And Cece was the one who begged Barbara Hershey's character to say, I want to take care of your daughter. Don't leave her with your aunt. Your yeah, they didn't say anything about that mm -hmm. initially. So having a lot of these small details kind of, it, it, it you know, the, the book is tiny. The book is maybe an inch thick. It's a tiny book, but there's a lot of little layers that when you see parts of Cece falling apart where... Her career is failing. She goes to stay with um, Barbara Hershey when her husband leaves her. You know, they are there together as a mess and trying to help each other. And that's when Barbara Hershey finds out she's pregnant and she can't believe that she's pregnant and her husband left her. And there's, when Cece was really failing, she's snorting cocaine and she gained 30 pounds and she's like losing her mind. And then Barbara Hershey is like, listen, if you're gonna stay here, you're gonna get your act together. And she, she got her act together. And then some other things that were left out too are the some of the lovers that Cece had. Like her first husband, he had a habit of sleeping with underage women. Oh yeah, yeah. And then her one boyfriend had a habit of sleeping with underage boys. Yeah, we, uh, we talked about how they avoided that with a, a long pole because that's a very- uh, It's a very touchy, and I mean this is- Even for back then. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is a Gary Marshall film, so I don't think they wanted to get too much into that. And I'm telling you, Cece said fuck every other word. And there was one fuck in the whole movie. Well, I definitely think that they were trying to 
make it as PG as possible. They weren't going to try to... Because it, it was designed for more mature or, you know... It's made for that, you know... I don't want to... Because I don't want to say it's a family movie because I don't even know if I'd want a kid to watch that. It's pretty fucking depressing. But right. it's meant for, like... It's something you could watch with your, your mom or your best friend. Who okay, so we know that this film is... It has problems. So for me, my question to you is, if they rebooted it, who would you want the two leads as actresses? Um, they already did reboot it, and I haven't watched it, but one of the leads was Indina Menzel, who is... Um, you would probably know her best. She played the Wicked Witch in the original um, Wicked cast, and she was the voice of Elsa in Frozen. Frozen. So she was the the Bette Midler character. She's not right. She's not raunchy. She's not red haired. Um, Is that important to you? Uh, yes, because they make a big deal about Cece's red hair. But I mean, even they could. The actress could dye her hair or whatever. I'm too afraid to watch it. Like, Tiffany said she did watch it, and it was eh. Okay. But in your fantasy scenario, what two actresses? <sighs> I have an idea who I'd probably like to see. I don't know. Because I really feel like Bette Midler was spot on for Cece. But for Whitney, I don't know. I think for Cece, I wouldn't mind seeing Emma Stone. She can't sing. They say she can't. Not like that, never. Well, you're, you're, again, you're comparing some other movie to this. I mean, you could go Lady Gaga. Yes. She'd be perfect. <laughs> or, God rest her soul, um, if Amy Winehouse was still alive... She's not alive. She's dead. I know. But Get she, over it. She's dead. I know. It makes me sad. She, she, but, I don't know. but yeah, like Lady Gaga, and it would have to be someone super opposite, super straight laced, opposite. I would stick either Margot Robbie or Jennifer Lawrence, maybe. Because you're, you're talking about someone who can play like high end class. Maybe Emma Roberts. Maybe. Or, um, we just watched her in... Like, I could honestly, I don't know if, if Margaret Ruby could sing, but I could almost see her more as a CC than... Um, Stone? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe. I don't know if she can. I mean, they say ScarJo could sing, but I don't... She could play a redhead, too, but... I, Gaga was one I was thinking of, because she was so good in... A Star is Born? Yeah. Um... Lady Gaga, I'd be like, you need to redo beaches, and you need to keep the cocaine snorting, and, and you... <laughs> you need to do all this shit. And you need to do it like the book. Who would be a good, um... Florence Pugh, maybe? We need somebody timid. Okay. Well... 
I think Emma Watson could be timid, but the problem is she doesn't have much range, and she you kind of. You don't of, think she could play like a, a. She would be kind of good in the sense that she can get her emotion out. I just I don't know because she she has a hard time being feisty and angry. Like it, even though she's done it a few times in the Potter series and whatnot, she it's a place that she doesn't generally like to go. Um, what about uh, see, what about Kerner and Shipka? Too young. Mm. You need somebody who is around 30. Yeah. Or can play 30. Uh, oh! If we're going to go, like, uh, if we're going with American Horror Story alone, maybe Sarah Paulson could be opposite of Lady Gaga. She's a fantastic actress. So she could be Hillary and, and Lady Gaga. And she's crazy enough, too. And she could really, because you've seen her... Because Hillary, the character, even with her, she played it very eccentric. And uh, and there, like I said, there's times where Hillary, like, I mean, her entire life collapsed. And it, it, I felt like when she was, her entire life was collapsing, she wasn't, like, sad enough? Does that make any sense? You know, like her husband is leaving her for another person. Yeah. Her father dies. Well, I mean, obviously, anything, even with Gaga, you would have to have someone who is willing to put work into the script because as they good as out, they left out this whole scene. In as Hawaii. good as Gaga is and and Paulson, like if you put them in this '80s film, you know, at their age, it still wouldn't work because it, there's just not enough there. I told you, there's so much more in the book. There was this entire Hawaii vacation where H Hillary, who is Roberta in the book, and her husband went on it, and then Cece heard about it, so she and John went in. And for some reason, um, Cece and Hillary's husband ended up staying up all night just bullshitting and drinking, and they were in the suite, and Hillary was asleep, and I... She heard her husband ask Cece to, like, go to bed with her. He's like, oh, she's asleep. No one will ever know. Well, she, Hillary got so upset that she, like, just went into the bathroom and took a shower. Well, Cece, at the time, she was like, fuck you. I would never do that. And that's where the big fight kind of started between Hillary and, and Cece in the book. And, you know, Hillary started, like, returning her letters and stuff. I think the guy should hit up Lady Gaga and hit up Paulson. Mm -hmm. Tell him to do it. Because <laughs> I can picture, like, both of them kind of... Like, you can see Sarah Paulson. You've seen her do, like, the very, like, prim and proper. She's got a lot of range. Mm -hmm. A lot of range. She can do just about anything. Like, she can play a great villain. She can play uh, a great, just regular... But you, can, uh, but you can, first of all, Lady Gaga is a little eccentric herself, and that... Oh, she'll bring, like, something, like, as far as, like, the, like, Midler, who's the young girl that played her? Maya Ballot, Blossom. She, she was very good. That was a good pairing. Mm -hmm. So, like, but Gaga is so eccentric that she can bring all the craziness that comes with the whole, like, wanting to be she a star. She is. Right. She wore a meat dress to the, to the <laughs> right. Emmys. I mean, right. like, she, I feel like with her, she's got this, uh, she's got this presence. And you gotta remember, I was little, but at that time, too, remember how big Bette Midler was? Like, you know, that was, that was kind of, like, 
And Bette Midler was kind of a little bit, you know, raunchy, not like the way... Oh, she got, was, yeah. You know what I mean? She was like the ballsy kind of, you know, she was a little brash. So that was kind of a big deal with, um, I think she did For the Boys, like right before Beaches, and that was when she, um, you know, went to, uh, what is it called? The... The soldiers and you go and you sing for them have entertainment like they they do it they've done it for years cross seas yeah, and yeah okay. that, so she, that was in the movie i really like that's a really good it's a really good uh point like i almost want to watch the new beaches to see how terrible it is but i just i don't know yeah i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna tweet something about that later <laughs> but yeah so like that that's really the only sticking point for me, and and, and I I'm not a big reader, but you read the book, and I read the book like fast. you br you bring a lot of things to my attention that I feel like would have made the movie much better because context is everything. You got to have certain things there to make it work, and the fact like the fact that Cece would go across the street to the hospital to sing to her mother. Right after they had a huge that, fight. That's a huge fucking moment. Like, a huge moment. Why would you not even think of that as a director? Now, granted, I don't know what their budgets were, but I can't imagine it was really bad because this was a big enough film. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so I, yeah, I'd probably give it about a two and a half out of four if I was doing it. Though. I'd probably give it like a five out of ten. I do really think that Miller is a great singer. Uh, she really impressed me in the film. Uh, and it's not that I hate either one of them as actors, but together it just didn't work for me on uh, certain scenes. Like, but when Midler was with the young daughter of Hillary, the the actress doing that, like that was really a nice, good scene. I felt the emotion there with that. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, okay, so we're gonna get back with some music and kicking off the next block is a request. Ooh. Kevin Tarrant. Yeah. Wants this place for more. I couldn't find the exact track he wanted. However, I did pull up a track off the uh, the band that he's looking for, Tombstone Blue. This is called Teeth and Blood. Kevin, this is for you, buddy. And here we go. <laughs>
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up.
not dead. man DJ Anubis getting ready to close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos episode 130 yeah, how fun is this it's 5 o'clock and normally I would just be getting done and I took half the day and I actually texted Carolyn my boss saying thank you for and she's like you really needed to take the afternoon did you tell you need like every week now <laughs> <laughs> I might start putting that in my, my rider uh, I need every, I have to be done by two. But I, I just, I did, and I was, it, what brought the conversation up with her realizing, you know, over the last two weeks she's realized the kind of pressure that I've been under and the stress, and she has been doing. This is why I said I, I don't want to just, you know, I'm trying to stick it out, because I like Carolyn, and I visibly am realizing she's taking things, because I have two much to handle. She's taking them away and having other people handle them because it's stuff that I really shouldn't be handling and now that we have, I'm delegating. She's letting me delegate, which is nice. Um, so I'm really trying to stick it out because she does have a good heart. She's just really hard to work for. You know? You know what I mean? She's just tough to work for. Some people are just socially awkward and she... <sighs> it's for her. Um, nothing is ever going to be a hundred percent so I just have realized that and just don't give a fuck half the time. Just don't give a fuck. And that's what I've kind of told her. I'm like, I don't care. Just tell me what you want. Like, I'm not going to argue help with you. Help me help you. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. Whatever you want, I'll 
I'll do it. I'm not, I am easy peasy. <laughs> so I, I hope maybe next weekend I'll be like, listen, if I start at seven, do you think I could sneak on out at like two o'clock maybe? And you just text me if there's sure, a Sure, I'd push for one well, and negotiate if it had to. Well, I'm saying two because that'll give me seven hours of working. And on th- Tuesdays, I usually work 12 hours, so I'm like, that will definitely put me at the, the one day I, uh, I left early, and I, I sent her, like, a thing that said, I'm going to be leaving at 3. She's like, why are you putting this in as time off? You're leaving an hour early, so. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, just putting it in as a record. But we, we need have, a few of these. What do you want? Pygmy possums. <laughs> Yay big. <laughs> so right now we're all we're going squirrel and we're gonna be picking out our delicious dinner for the evening. And I don't know what else we're gonna do. What are your plans? No idea. But I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun doing it as usual. I definitely did. Look, I'm over here on my special futon. I I'm using your special table that and I do have to throw it out because, you know, Kevin, because of his request, obviously I noticed that uh, Crypt from Metalomania did an interview with the band Tombstone Blue. So, <laughs> Tombstone Blue, that's the name of the band. Nice. So you can catch them on Metalomania. They did an interview with them, so check them out. Thanks for the uh, the request, there, Kevin. And you can always give us more in the future. Obviously, anyone else who wants to hear something in particular. Let us know, because I really didn't know much about the band, so it was kind of cool, and they were good. So. That is awesome. I'm going to leave it with one more track. Classic stuff from a band called Gutted from the early 90s. Kicking the corpse. We'll see you all later. Peace. Enjoy your weekend. Thank <laughs> you.